Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, it's a very special episode. As you can see, we are on site with the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Mr. <laughs> Ian McDonald. Ian, what's going on? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. That's quite an intro. Did you uh, like that? I did like that. So <laughs> I hope I can live up to that. But no, look, everything's good. It's uh, it's a Friday morning, which is which is always good, and it's nearly Christmas. So yeah, feeling good and happy to be here with you, Jason. Well, this is gonna be a lot of fun. We got some really cool topics to go over. But hey, uh, before we get into the weeds of everything, I love to start off every podcast with a little origin story mm -hmm. because I'm super curious myself. All right, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Yeah, what a great question. Um, so I guess like for me, you know, marketing is my thing. Uh, as that's, that's my day job. But yes, in the automotive industry with, with Trader, but I'm, I'm a marketer, um, mm -hmm. first and foremost. And for me, it was, it was not easy actually <laughs> getting into marketing or automotive. Um, so I mean, look, going way back academically and whatnot, like at school and university, I was um, really keen on mathematics, but also kind of keen on English literature and creativity and stuff like that, which is at the time, I thought it's an unusual skill combination, but it's actually now I, I find it's, it's a great combination for a marker because you know, <laughs> everything's so digital these days, you need the numbers and a little bit of creativity helps too. Um, but, but right out of uh, university, I was actually a, a trainee actuarial assistant. So I was starting to be an actuary. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I, I can say this because I spent some time in the discipline that, uh, you know, they say that act, sort of actuarial is uh, for people who find accountancy too exciting. Uh, so <laughs> it lasted about a year. Um, and then I was, I really want to get into marketing. You know, I want to get into advertising and that kind of thing. Um, but it was so hard. Like every job you apply for, there's hundreds of applicants. Even, you know, you want to go agency side, you had to work for free for a year and all this kind of thing. And um, it just wasn't really happening. And then uh, I was actually at my sister's birthday party. I was about 22 and I was talking to a friend of hers and saying, I really want to get into marketing and advertising, but it's not really happening. And she said, why don't you consider uh, a graduate training scheme? Because she was on one at the time. Um, I said, because, you know, if you get a graduate training scheme at a big company, you can do what you like. You say, yeah, I'm interested in marketing, you get dropped <laughs> in, great. So, um, so I thought, that's a good idea. And so she referred me to one for Royal Bank of Scotland, which at the time was pre-2008, was sort of the third or fourth biggest bank in the world. Um, and so, Not yeah, a bad place to start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah applied to that graduate scheme and, and got accepted there. Uh, and, and it was great. That's when it started happening. So they said, what do you want to do? I said, marketing. So they had all these big brands <laughs> spending tens of millions of dollars every yeah. year. Um, big consumer-facing brands over in the UK. And um, so it was great. I spent two or three years working on four or five different brands, like an accelerated kind of thing, and, and finally kind of got my wish. And then, to be honest, I mean, after a few years of that, uh, it was financial services. So, you know, mm -hmm. the, as a marketer, the, the red tape is a bit of a killer, uh, especially with <laughs> the kind sure. of FSA stuff. And so, you know, I started looking around at other things that might be of interest. And Auto Trader UK were looking for uh, a digital marketing manager. And I thought, well, everyone knows Auto Trader because it's similar to, to Canada sure. there in the UK. It's been around a similar length of time. Was known then very much as a magazine. And, and they had a website and they were trying to grow yeah. it. But uh, they were trying to digitize the whole thing and retire the magazine. Yep. So joined them and spent three years with them basically accelerating the digital expertise a lot of marketing advertising building the brand uh, and then after about uh, three or four years the the role over here in canada came up auto trader canada uh, and they were 
a couple of years behind the UK on that trajectory in terms of that migration. Mm -hmm. So uh, a few of us from, from the UK business came over to Canada, uh, including our CEO, uh, Sebastian Baldwin. Um, and yes, yeah, so I, I came over to Canada to consult with, to begin with, in, in November 2011. Just, that's how they conned you, right? They did. See? Well, I, they picked the wrong time of year because you know, I got here in November and I thought, I didn't even know it was possible for things to get that cold. <laughs> so I didn't even know what January and February is like over here. Um, but no, it was great. So I spent two weeks getting started the business and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, then I came back in 2012 and, and accepted a role uh, and spent the next four years with, with Auto Trader Canada growing the brand and, and doing the, the advertising and TV and digital, all that good stuff. And I mean, we, we made incredible strides um, in, the, oh, in those four years. Oh, at that time. I mean, you must like pain, by the way. <laughs> um, because I, I remember the industry at, you know, at that time and, and you know, just convincing people to not only have a website, mm. but also just to embrace any type of digital marketing. Um, you know, what do you mean? It's it's not a newspaper, but I can't, I can't physically hold it. What what are you talking about? And mm -hmm. I mean, I remember at that time being told, well, you know, this internet thing's a fab. It's just gonna fade away. So I know how challenging it was. So yeah, you must love pain. Um, <laughs> it's been a journey. Yeah, I'll say that. <laughs> well, speaking of journeys, I a lot of things have changed recently, right? Talk about journeys. You know, our industry has probably seen more change just in the last. 20 some odd months than we probably have collectively in the 10 years before that. Mm -hmm. But I'd love to kind of get your take on, you know, what, what is the kind of industry as you see it today? Yeah, so I mean, you're exactly right. I, I suppose it's like a lot of different verticals, isn't it? And <laughs> yeah. it's such an overused phrase, unprecedented, but it's overused because it's kind of true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of what, what we've been seeing uh, from the automotive side of things, it's I mean, essentially, since the onset, you know, we had a kind of uh, funny six to eight weeks where nobody knew what was happening and, you know, consumer demand did drop off a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then they just roared back to life, right? Mm -hmm. Like from a consumer demand standpoint, and yeah, maybe we'll go into some metrics later that we've seen, but the demand's been incredible. And we've done a bunch of research and all that stuff. Why is that? It's the stuff you'd expect. Sure. People don't want to use public transit anymore. They like their space. You know, they want to be in the car, that kind of stuff. They don't want to use ride sharing. Actually, some of our sort of research suggests that that's here to stay, uh, mm -hmm. some of that mindset. Um, but then, of course, the big thing is the, the, the shutdown of the new car production and, and the knock-on effects that that's <laughs> going to have in terms of lower new car sales uh, there in 2020 and 2021, uh, but also the inventory pool. So, yeah. so that's one of the biggest trends that, that we've been seeing is, wow, you know, the demand's really great. Um, inventory is, is beginning to be uh, a little bit more constrained. Yeah, it's interesting times like this when things are really good. Mm. And it's times like these where you start seeing kind of that cream rise to the top as far as like who kind of really are the operators out there and kind of who aren't, yeah. you know, I mean, look, face it, there, there've been a lot of people in our industry that have been able to make a lot of money and survive on just amazing brands and amazing products. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they're take, we take that inventory away from them and they got to get real. Yeah. And they got to get real about their operations, got to get real about their people. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've probably seen some of this going on as well right now. What do you think, I'm just curious, yeah. um, I'll go squirrel sometimes, by the way. <laughs> um, what do you think, just in the last 18, 20 months, what do you think is the biggest impact you know, to the industry that will stick around? That's a great question. Um, the biggest impact? Well, I suppose th there's probably a couple of things. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot. That's what I say. I know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think one of the main things, and again, you know, it's talked about a lot, but but I do think uh, this sort of digital retail thing, like it was there, yeah. it was bubbling away, you know, for four years maybe. Yeah, it was kind of just stewing there for a little bit right yeah. before this. And, and I think there has <laughs> been uh, an acceleration of that for sure. 
Listen, I mean, I think sometimes, frankly, it's a bit overstated, uh, especially as well. Gets I'm back glad to you said it. I'm glad yeah, you said absolutely. So, but but I you know I do think that as we've been seeing some of these pure play digital dealers coming to the market, they're spending some some money, sort of advertising themselves. Whether users are ready or not to 100% tra transact online, and look, a lot of them, a lot of them are. I've seen the research. Yeah. Some of them are. Um, the vast majority are expecting a higher level of convenience, a higher, more seamless, omni-channel journey between online and offline. So even if it's not immediately going straight to 100% transaction, I think mm -hmm. it's changed consumer expectation. Uh, I think that is, that is going to have a lasting impact on uh, a lot of, let's call them traditional dealerships in, in terms of the way that they service customers. Yes. Um, even if it's not going to be like a huge amount of demand for 100% transacting online, the, the omni-channel thing, that's definitely, that's a shift that's not going away. No, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that we've we finally got a taste for that, and I don't see us going back. I I, I see that shift. What I kind of call it is uh, we've gone away from a selling process, right, where we had like these are our twelve points, and this is how we sell, to now a buying process where we actually now give the customer options on how mm. to buy. You know, like my favorite analogy is Best Buy. I do a lot of Best Buy, by <laughs> the way. Like I'm a, I'm pretty bad at the apps on my phone. It's just I need that new microphone or something, and I do it. But I love the options, right? Mm. I can. Uh, I can reserve it and then go take a look at it, touch it, feel it, and make sure I actually want to buy it. Or I can buy it, I can pick it up because I'm good with the, con or I can buy it and have it shipped to my house. But they give me options. Yeah. And I, I'm with you. I hope as an industry that, you know, that those options don't go away. Even though, like you said, you know, there's a percentage of people that are taking advantage of it. I think mm -hmm. that will just continue to grow, but I'm with you. Um, how do you think, you know, the last 18 months and some of these big snowballs that we've seen kind of build up. Mm. Overall, how do you think that's going to impact the dealer specifically? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I was going to say short term, but you know, it could even sort of turn into more of a medium term. Yeah. I think the, the inventory thing is obviously key for dealers. I think there's been, there was a good 12 month period there where, you know, the prices were cooking. Uh, you know, <laughs> as I understand it, I was run a dealership, as I understand it, the margins were nice. Um, you know, the metal was moving and stuff. and and. Now I, th I think it's becoming a little bit harder to source some inventory, right? Like maybe uh, the volume of transactions is is not um, being offset by that by that increase in margin. Mm -hmm. So, how long is that going to stick around? I mean, I listen to a lot of kind of industry stuff, as I'm sure you do. <laughs> it's, it's a tough one. I mean, my kind of view from from talking to folks and listening to things is that the production is getting back to normal. As that production gets back to normal, it's going to be able to satisfy that new car demand that's out there. You know, as the new cars get sold, I think it's 70% of them have a trade-in, so that's the used inventory being stimulated. And uh, you know, you'd hope to see kind of back half of next year that things are getting back to normal a little bit, but um, nobody really has a crystal ball and that stuff. Mm. And I think as well, one of the things I was going to mention was, uh, you know, I was listening to I think it was Ford's uh, kind of quarterly call the other day, and they were saying about, well, maybe we don't want to have a huge inventory pool of vehicles anymore. Maybe we want to move there to more of a kind of build toward a European model. They like. Um, you know, uh, having a little fewer incentives because they're not sort of always trying to push through all this metal that they've manufactured. Is that going to stick around? Does that mean that the new car inventory pool is going to be permanently lower than it was historically? I'm not sure, maybe. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the inventory thing is a short to medium term thing. And as well, as I said, the consumer expectation. Uh, and I think you nailed it exactly right. It's about optionality. That yeah. is the key. Uh, because you have a whole spectrum of users and you know, we do research all the time with all the users on the site and, and off-site as well with uh, you know, partners like Ipsos and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And it's a real spectrum. You know, there's, there's some people we speak to that say, no, I love it. I want to go in the dealership. I want to haggle. I want to <laughs> sure. negotiate. I touch the thing. I want to know the guy and shake his hand. <laughs> 
and they're not changing. They don't want to configure something at home. Right at the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who say, I never want to set foot in a dealership again. <laughs> you've yeah. got to give me 100%. <laughs> and yeah, they're the, they're the ends of the bell curve, but in between, you've got this whole spectrum. So Tons. exactly as you said, more optionality you have, the, the wider you can cast your net, and the more different types of people you can convert. Now, I think from a marketing perspective, that makes it super challenging, mm -hmm. right? Because if you think about it, up until this point, 90 plus percent of our marketing efforts have been vehicle specific messaging. Yeah. You know, um, even though we try to push more branding, we try to push more storytelling, uh, but just in the industry, we just kind of fell into that. Mm. Now, you know, not only did it kind of our operations kind of implode and kind of force us or push us, maybe not force us, but push us into a direction of, of creating all these options. On the marketing side, it's not so simple anymore. It's not this singular message of like, hey, we got cars, here's the payment, here's the interest rate, come buy them, mm -hmm. right? You know, those options and everything in between creates all these unique stories. So I'd love to kind of get your take on how do you think this has impacted kind of marketing strategies and messages moving forward? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you hit on a few interesting things there. Um, how has it impacted things? Well, I guess like, some of the things that you're talking about there, it's, it, it's so interesting. You know, when I speak to dealers, um, one of the things I sort of try and emphasize for them, at least kind of historically, has yeah. been you know, the idea of inbound and outbound, right? So mm -hmm. inbound is the stuff where users, they're looking for a vehicle, they're looking for something that you offer, so they're searching for it on Google or you know, whatever it may be, and uh, all using a marketplace, for example. Mm -hmm. And it's about you know, putting your product in front of them, yes, with the right kind of brand positioning and the right kind of messages around that vehicle, uh, but you're, you're harnessing that existing interest inbound towards you. And then on the outbound side of things, of course, it's un generally untargeted. You're kind of going out there and you're, you're, you're trying to interrupt people's day by saying, hey, do you need a car? Uh, and that's you know, that's yeah. your radio and your yeah. print and your billboards and, and you know, TV and that kind of stuff. Um, so, I mean, I've always been a big advocate when, when I've spoken to uh, you know, dealerships around, like, get the inbound machine, like, absolutely cooking. Yeah, get that just nailed down, Absolutely. Because, right? yeah. I mean, that, that, that really is, that's where the margin's going to be. And, and, I mean, listen, there's absolutely a role for the other stuff, but you don't want to be neglecting that stuff, mm -hmm. that inbound stuff, because it's generally, uh, you know, well, I mean, it is lower cost per lead, and therefore the ROI is higher and all that stuff. So get those things absolutely cooking before you think too much about the outbound stuff. But one thing that you mentioned about storytelling, and this is something else I kind of sort of try to unpack is, Sometimes I'll, I'll speak to just say, well, what's the role of brand? People tell yeah. me that my brand's important. I've got to work on my brand. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, so what do we mean by that? Exactly. Right, so it's, let's, it's a, let's unpack that because there's a lot there. It's a very broad church. <laughs> right? So within that statement, do we mean, you know, brand response advertising? Because, listen, I mean, I, I, the role of brand response advertising is to create saliency and kind of top of mind mm -hmm. and that you're carpet bombing, right? So that when <laughs> someone thinks uh, they have a trigger, a lifestyle change, I need a car, they think, I know where to go for a car. Yep. Uh, and I, I would sort of say, you know, a lot of that stuff, that's a, that's a tough sell, I think, for, for <laughs> a dealership or even a group. It, it's tough because well, what, well, how are you, you're taking on the Googles. Because you're it, doesn't, on it, doesn't it doesn't fall into my 30-day goal and objective that I've been received by my manufacturer, right? <laughs> like, so, yeah, it's, hard, it's hard pill to swallow. <laughs> th there's that. And also it's kind of, uh, you've got to carve out a really great value proposition to, yeah. to, to create that saliency. Um, and also, as I said, you're competing with the, what are the most salient kind of brands for when you know, majority of Canadians think I need a car. It's Google. It's Auto Trader. Yeah. That's where they go. When we do our research, sort of two thirds of Canadians, the cases they say, well, I go Auto Trader. That's where I start. Upper funnel. So to try and sort of compete with that, that's tough. So brand response advertising. That's something that um, you know, maybe kind of think really hard about that because it's expensive yeah. too, and it takes oh. a lot of time, as you said. 
it's a field of dreams. It's a building and they will come scenario. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when I see, I mean, I do see dealer groups doing that kind of stuff and, you know, on TV and things like that. And sometimes I sort of look at the ads and I think, well, that, that, that's a great ad for car ownership. You're saying your value prop is car ownership is good. Yes. And good news, you know, 85% of adult Canadians agree with you, but that doesn't mean they're going to choose you. <laughs> that's, just, that's just an ad for owning a car. Yep. What's your positioning? What's your value prop? So that's one thing. But then what I do think is really important for, for dealerships, all dealerships, is in that broad church, what else do we have? Well, we also have kind of brand strategy. What, mm -hmm. What's your positioning? What's your value proposition? We have branding, being consistent, looks professional, you know, all the different touch points, and not just visually, also, in terms of the salespeople, how you're training them. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people think branding is just a marketing play, mm. but it is just as much an operations as it is marketing. They have to connect to each other. A hundred percent. I mean, I'd actually say that the visual stuff is the easier stuff. Uh, yeah. You get something that fits your positioning, you know, whatever it may be. If it's, you know, uh, we're really focused on customer service or, you know, we're really focused on price or whatever your kind of niche is going to be. It's not that hard to kind of design assets and language and, and yeah. have things that are consistent. What's hard is actually getting it through the DNA of the organization. Yeah, so actually executing on it. <laughs> well, when somebody calls up or they walk in, it that 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 brand positioning is personified and, and exemplified mm -hmm. by the employee, the person that's standing in front of them, and how you treat them and how you follow up. And that and you know, I spent some time consulting outside of automotive on brand with, with companies in different verticals. And this is one of the hardest things. I say to them, look, I've done, we've got the brand strategy. Yeah. It's great here in the, in the boardroom. You've got to make it live and breathe through every touch point. That includes people, that, that includes physical evidence, that includes you know, your brick and mortar, everything. Um, that's the tough stuff. But, but that's why I think branding is really important. But so mm -hmm. when we say um, my brand, yeah, I, I mean, I would say, and listen, it varies by size and that stuff. But I mean, in general, my, my kind, and for what it's worth, you know, my kind of advice to dealerships is, okay, within brand, what I would say is think about your brand as a conversion aid. It's, yes. it's something that yes. once the user's with you, I feel good about this particular dealership because I, I like, I, it feels like it's for me. I like the positioning. I like that it's very consistent. You know, the guy gives them a good feeling, confidence mm -hmm. they can follow through. It's a huge conversion aid. But what I wouldn't say is kind of worry too much about your brand acquiring users. You know what I mean? The inbound yeah, channels cook on that. It's once they're kind of in your sphere, your bubble, right? It, it's what keeps them in there. Look, I, look, as an industry, we know what we do, mm. all right? We we move metal and we service metal. That's it's what we do, right? And we all know how we do it. It's it's the why we do it, the way we do it. That's what gets super unique, and that's what the, a consumer sees value in. But you know, getting a dealership to allocate the time and effort to kind of go through that self-awareness process of understanding, mm. you know, why do we do it the way we do it? Yeah. You know, like why do we deliver the car that way? Why do we go? Why do we have seven different ways you can buy a car? Why, you know? Yeah. But it's important, and I think especially right now, defining that, embracing that, marketing that, coming out of what you know, 2022 and 2023 is going to be as inventory. It's going to be a big, big opportunity. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and I mean, the other thing is, we were talking about the inventory, and that's true. You know, users will look for the vehicle sort of first and foremost. Of course. I mean, think how many dealerships that there are out there. There's so many <laughs> brands competing. And I mean, nowadays, uh, at least for now, while we still have cookies and whatnot, you know, nowadays it, it's easy. We can all target auto intenders online with, with pretty good accuracy. And they're getting messages from the likes of AutoTrader. They're getting messages from every dealer within a hundred miles. <laughs> you know, it, it's very busy. And um, to be able to break out of that and kind of uh, build a build a perception or a, a top of mind saliency with a user that, like, you know, when I need a car, I go to that dealership. That's really tough. So, 
but I mean, the, the vehicles are kind of becoming commoditized. I mean, users yeah. know where to go. It's oh, the yeah. internet. They, they know where to go to see all the vehicles. The, the key 100%. is, yes, having the right inventory for the right segment that you're looking for. And sure, pricing it right and all merchandising, hugely important. But once you've got them in the tractor beam, it's about that brand. Who are you? What do you stand for? Uh, how, do you, how do you train your folks to interact with them and, mm -hmm. and reel them in? And you know, even myself, you know, as a marketer, I understand this. Well, you'd hope I understand this stuff, but <laughs> we're all susceptible to it because it's human of nature. Course. You know, I, I bought a, a Nissan last year, and, and listen, I mean, it's a new Nissan. There's a number of Nissan franchises. I was I've speaking to two or three of them. You know, There's 37 them. just within a. 45 minute drive of here. There you go. So it's so that I mean that more than ever because because they all have the inventory. They all source the the vehicle that I want. Yeah. But what it came down to was you know I had a, had a chat going with a couple of these a couple of these dealerships, but there was one in particular. Um, they just did a great job of like no nonsense. You know they, they read me really well that the sales <laughs> going. And I think it, I mean part of the positioning of the dealership. Like, well, we don't mess around. Listen. You know, here's what we can do X, Y, and Z. It wasn't pressured, and it was a really great experience. And, and then, you know, my circumstances changed. Yeah. I said, you know what, uh, something's changed. I'm, I'm going to be out of the market for a couple of months. So, okay, cool. This and this was great. I mean, really, I thought exemplary kind of lead nurturing. Not too much pressure, but the guy didn't let it go. Just okay. you know, every every couple of weeks, there's a text, how's it going? And you're still thinking, I'm like, yeah, I don't know, buddy, I'm getting there. But you know, when when I came to pull the trigger, two three months later, he was the first and only call I made. Boom, we did the deal. Twenty minutes. It's because. We built that relationship. I, well, because that dealership empowered the staff to actually give them a chance to build that relationship. Yeah. You know, you know, when we focus on the relationships and not the transaction, amazing things happen. And I can't imagine how many people you've already referred to that dealership. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Um, and and like-minded people, because like I said, I mean, it's you know. Every, every brand, every business, they should have a slightly different position. Yeah. What are you about? And when I think in my mind, what are the words that come to mind when I think about that dealership? I think fair, no nonsense, you know, efficient. Yeah. The, that's the positioning. Resonates with me. Uh, might not resonate with everyone, but resonates with me. So that, that's what I mean by brand. I mean, that, that was a great example for me where the brand closed that deal. It yes. wasn't the vehicle. Exactly. Because you have 37 different locations you could have yeah, exactly. picked it up from. Exactly. But you know what's funny? When it comes to brand, you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of dealerships and they're like, well, I don't know what my brand is. I don't know what my brand is. And well, you do know what your brand is. The brand already exists. It's just in the eyes of the consumer. You haven't maybe necessarily defined what your brand is. But if you don't define it, yeah. your, your customers will. Uh, see, yes, exactly. Right? right? Well, go read Google reviews. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take long to see consistently used words like, Experience. I love the word experience, by the way, because mm -hmm. you got good and you got bad, and it goes really both ways. So it's oh, yeah. like I always want to. I try to find the word. I try to find the reviews that only just have that word in it because I want to read everything around it, right? Mm -hmm. But but you're right. The, the consumer will define the brand for the dealership if the dealership doesn't take the time and the initiative to define it for themselves. Yeah, hundred percent. And and like we said, there's so many dealerships, there's so many sellers, and. Look, I mean, I can say this as a, as a marketer because uh, I think I think marketing is one of the one of the least trusted professions when they do those surveys, and it's like lawyers, marketers, you know, <laughs> right up there, but car salesmen. Um, well, that's that's what I'm saying is that there, there is a perception among consumers that dealerships are kind of you know one and the same, and it's mm -hmm. more about the metal, and uh, you know, they're all going to try and you know true coat me and, and, and you know, upsell me and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's such an opportunity for dealerships that get it right who really do kind of set their stall and say, this is what we're about. And, and as I said, you can feel it flow through every email you get from them, through the language on the website, through the, the way that the salesperson interacts with you. It stands out. Yeah. It's notable. Uh, and that actually kind of tells you um, how good a job most dealerships are doing about like understanding who they are, who they want to be, and how they want the consumer to perceive them. Because it really stands out when one yeah. of them really nails it. 
And that's what I think makes this time in our industry so exciting. I mean, think about for the last decade, we've been talking about merchandising. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Can you believe that, you know, we had to convince dealers to actually put their inventory. I'm sure you guys went through all that pain. Oh, you actually got to put it online. It needs to be online. I mean, but we, we still do in terms of quality <laughs> of merchandising. Really? Well, I mean, obviously we have, we have thousands of dealers on there. Yeah. And obviously it's a spectrum from That's the true. ones that really lean in and get it. And I mean, listen, I mean, the VDP is beautiful. Like great pictures, great description, well-written headline, you know, not all caps. I mean, and um, but caps. when they merchandise well, I mean, we see it in terms yeah. of the response, the lead conversion. And then, you know, through our match report, and we see the sales as well that they generate from the presence of an auto trader. And it makes a meaningful difference. Yeah. We actually have a team that kind of works with dealers and coaches them on that to be like, I, I know it's quicker or more efficient to, to whatever, whatever, but when you really take the time to merchandise really well, it makes a huge difference to the ROI you get from advertising with us, sure. Mm -hmm. But also on your own website and all your advertising and different things that you're doing. Well, and it's, it's cool that we're kind of, I think, in that era of we've embraced merchandising, well, at least majority of yeah, it, and, you know, yeah. and now we're able to start layering on this really cool thing called branding. It's mm. like you got your merchandising set. Now you start layering on your branding, you know, uh, propositions and the value to the consumer. And it's like you can become a real powerhouse. Now, look, I know we could probably jam about this for a whole nother hour or so. Sure. But I know we're getting towards the tail end of our time. Mm. And there was one last thing I did want to kind of chat with you before I let you go. Okay. Um, oh, look, we're, we're here in the trader office. Uh, it definitely looks like there's a lot of things have changed um, <laughs> <laughs> since maybe the last time I was here. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, like, what's been the last 20 months like for you guys? Yeah, uh, that, that's a great. <laughs> How long have you got? How long have you got? <laughs> as yeah. long as you got. <laughs> it's, uh, listen, I mean, it, it's been a journey, but, um, yeah, there, there are a couple of things that kind of stand out to me. Um, since the onset of the pandemic, I was just casting my mind back to, you know, I remember when, when it first became clear and it seemed to all happen. Yeah, we've been hearing about this thing for a few months. Mm -hmm. It seemed to all get really real in a, in a space of like four days. Offices yeah. were closed. And, um, I remember we, it was just after NADA. Yeah, it was. Remember, we just got yeah. back from NADA. Yeah, everything was cool. Everything was cool. <laughs> and I remember people talking about it at NADA. Yeah. And then you two coming back. Something like, yeah, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, as you'll probably know, I mean, we, we took the decision pretty early on um, that, that we knew it was going to be, we didn't know how long or how tough, but we yeah. knew it was going to be tough. Um, and we did a bunch of communication around this at the time that I won't kind of go over and over, but basically we decided to go free uh, on our website for, for two months. Wow. Uh, it wound up being two months, I think, or maybe two and a half for, for the kind of core used offering and, and, and uh, some of the other stuff. And then, and then for new cars, it was a little bit longer. But you know, we looked at it and we were like, wow, you know, it, we, I mean, we do believe, of course, you know, our success and, and the dealer partner's success, they're, they're the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. They're inextricably linked. We can't be successful without the dealers. And, and I would like to say the dealers are less successful without us. <laughs> I would like to say that based on the audience, but, but it's a symbiotic thing, right? Yeah. I mean, we both come together to create this incredible brand called Auto Trader that consumers love and it's top of mind and, and all that good stuff. So the way we looked at it was, well, look, if it's going to be rough, it, it's going to be rough for all of us. So yeah, we went free for a couple of months and during that time, the, the toughest decision was actually, uh, so, so do we, what do we do about expenses? Like, do, do, do we keep spending on all this consumer marketing and whatnot? Because, you know, it's, it's a big investment. Well, everybody had to have, everybody went through the same process. Dealers did, uh, vendors yeah. did, we all did, right? And we went back and forth for, for a week or two, kind of, you know, the, the ups and the downs. And what we decided to do was to say, well, you know, we're, we're going to kind of, make a bet that, that this isn't going to last sort of that long, certainly in terms of, um, you know, the demand for cars and, and the business selling cars kind of thing. Uh, and also we saw an opportunity to, to accelerate our market share and, and, and grow the brand to another level because 
you know, all of our competitors, frankly, kind of stopped spending. Mm -hmm. So we continued spending all through that period when we were free. We had we had sort of no revenue coming in, but we, we had this massive marketing cost still going out. For and believe me, I mean, you know, as the CMO, that, that I had some interesting conversations. <laughs> yeah, it, gets, so. it gets to about week five, and it's like, are we doing the right thing? <laughs> But listen, we, we, we stuck with it, you know, continued advertising. I mean, actually, I mean, we were really rewarded for that in the back half of 2020. Mm -hmm. We grew our market share, uh, you know, in terms of us versus other marketplaces uh, from 42% to about sort of 55%. Now we're at 59% this year. Wow. So, I mean, for me, it was a, as a marketer, it was, it was a fantastic case study uh, of which there are many around, you know, in turbulent times or challenging times, if, if you invest and keep faith, it is rewarded big time mm -hmm. uh, on the other side. When, when you come course. out of these things. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so that was great from the consumer side of things. And like I say, I mean, the, the market share now, I mean, we're, we're playing a different sport now. You know, I look back at um, even in sort of 2019, you know, we, we'd be really, really happy with kind of um, 18 million visits a month or 19 million visits a month. I mean, I mean, that's a lot of visits. Yeah. Now it's like 25. <laughs> you know, like a, a year just later, blew through that number. Yeah, it's like we're playing a whole different sport yeah. when I look at the graphs and stuff, which which is great because that's what we're here to do is provide the value through to the dealer partners who you know stuck with us and we stuck with them and yeah. and and now you know notwithstanding the the kind of site inventory challenge, but I think everyone's in a better place mm -hmm. uh, in terms of you know, selling through and that kind of stuff. So um, that was a journey, and then on the technology side of things, you know, we we moved made some modifications and brought in some new offerings. Uh, you know, we have the, the Moto Commerce product from, from Moto Insight, which yep. is a part of Trader now. And so, uh, you know- Good move, by the way. Andrew's an amazing guy, so. <laughs> he, he is, yeah. No, and, and now actually, uh, Andrew's with us on sort of the marketplace side. So I spend a lot of time working with him every day. He's a great He's guy. great guy. Um, and, and great experience. I mean, you've spoken to him, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his, his journey with the Moto Insight business is amazing. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, through, through that kind of that piece of technology, we were able to light up kind of 400 dealers in the marketplace with a buy online button and, and a digital retail experience. So uh, being able to move at that speed and, and that often, timing must have been amazing. Oh, it I was, mean, come I mean, on. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty serendipitous. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, and, and now, obviously, you know, we're, we're looking to evolve that even further. Um, like I said, kind of, you know, in, in a way that makes sense with, with, with the adoption curve uh, and, the, and the demand that's coming from users to do that kind of thing. But. Yeah, so, so a number of things from the, um, from, the, from the offering standpoint, but I think the biggest thing was just the landscape has changed so much oh. because of, like I said, those brands that hung in there and, and, and kept spending. And, and believe me, I mean, that was white knuckle, like fifth week in and we're still <laughs> spending millions. When's the demand going to come back <laughs> and, and we can you know, charge dealers again? Anyway, it has been rewarded. So, so that's been one of the biggest things. But then, like you said, I mean, it, it's, it's changed things in so many ways. And yeah. so it's... Look, I mean, yeah, highs and lows for sure. But I think for all of us in the automotive industry, it, it's been a ride. It's been, it, it That's keeps it, literally it keeps the best way to describe it, keeps it, right? interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has been one heck of a ride. Mm. And it's, it's going to be very cool to see uh, what the next 20, 24 months, you know, is like mm. as, you know, those inventory levels get back to normal. And, you know, what of these big changes or these snowballs that have been created during this time frame, which ones of them stick? Yeah. And, you know, as a marketing person, too, it's just, it's cool. It is just, oh, it's, yeah. you know, it, it's just a real crazy fun time to be in the business. Now, I know it's towards the tail end of our time, but mm. before I let you go, because we've covered some amazing topics out there, uh, for everybody out there that's watching and listening right now, who would uh, maybe like to connect with you and maybe learn a little bit more about yourself, what's the best way to connect with you? Uh, well, I'm, I'm a big LinkedIn junkie, so uh, <laughs> yeah, you can, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's, it's Ian McDonald, and uh, there's a few Ian McDonalds on there actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, when I moved, when I first moved to Canada, you know, I was getting my SIN number. And they said, you know, what's your name? Ian McDonald said, did you know that the, there's like 500 pages of Ian McDonald's? <laughs> there's, there's a lot of us here in Canada, but uh, I'm the one that works at Trader Corporation. Or there we go. So, yeah, you can find me there. Yeah. Ian, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. Hey, listen, I enjoyed it a lot. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.